The best scene in Gladiator is when Gladiator takes his helmet off and is like, Joaquin Phoenix, you're taking everything Marcus Aurelius worked for, I want to fight your Roman ass, and you killed my family and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Boom, Oscars, instant classic, everybody loves a tale of revenge. And in mixed martial arts, there is no vengeance served more cold than when a champion returns to vanquish the foe that usurped their reign. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, a massive thank you to our biggest channel supporters in our Hall of Famers, and these are the 10 best ways champions got sweet revenge. Number 10, Randy Couture versus Vitor Belfort. Could there be any worse way to lose the most important thing in your life than a fluke, than just some absolutely cosmic bad luck? Take my title because you're better than me, take it because I don't have it anymore, but don't take it because leather grazed the soft, liquidy organ protruding out of my face and tore it open. Randy Couture wasn't seeking vengeance on Vitor Belfort in their light heavyweight title fight rematch, he was seeking vengeance on the MMA gods. Obviously, a rematch would need to take place, and it did. It would seem that the MMA gods are not without a sense of irony either, as Couture would exact his vengeance in the same way that he was wronged a doctor stoppage. This time, though, it came after the third round and a thorough ass whooping. Number nine, Matt Hughes versus BJ Penn. When Matt Hughes lost the welterweight title to BJ Penn, it was a massive embarrassment. At the time, Hughes was the best fighter in the world. He was on his sixth welterweight title defense. He was backwoods country strong MMA Zeus, and who was BJ Penn. He was a guy that had a ton of hype, had a ton of potential, he was the prodigy, but he kept coming up short. He couldn't beat Jens Pulver for the lightweight strap. He tied with Cal Uno in his second attempt. So if this guy's gonna bump up 15 pounds and beat the best fighter in the world, get out of here. Actually, don't get out of here because that's exactly what he did. In an absolute stunner, Penn would submit Hughes before the first round even ended, and better yet, he would take his talents to K1 right after it, blowing a kiss to Dana White with the belt like he was future UFC star CM Punk. He'd eventually find his way back, though, and in the meantime, Matt had regained his title and won three more bouts to re-solidify his position as the world's best, and it was time to exact his revenge. While GSP was famously unimpressed by his performance, Hughes tired Penn out and got a third-round TKO stoppage. It would be the last title fight he ever won, but at least he got back at Baby J. Number 8. Gilbert Melendez versus Josh Thompson I'm old enough to remember when people remembered Gil Melendez for more than re calling him Giblert. Coming into the UFC, Melendez was arguably the best lightweight in the world, period, and he earned that reputation by going on an ungodly run as the Strikeforce champ at 155. But it was not without its hiccups, and that hiccup's name was Josh Thompson. After taking the strap from Clay Guida and defending it once, Gil would drop a UD to the punk and have to fight his way back to the title, winning and defending interim gold since Thompson was sidelined at the time. He did have a random non-title bout against Ash Bowman at the Playboy Mansion, though, because such is MMA. Nearly a year and a half after their first encounter, the pair would share another 25 minutes in the cage, and Gilbert would finally have his vengeance, scoring a UD win of his own before going on to defend his title three more times, only to meet Thompson yet again in a five-rounder before Melendez headed to the UFC. Josh's revenge would be denied, though, as he would lose via a split decision. All three of these fights were bangers, though, and helped define Strike Force, so both guys should be proud. Number 7. Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo. If he who laughs last laughs best, then Brandon Moreno is laughing his ass off while he plays with his Legos. It was the first ever quadrilogy or tetralogy or whatever the fuck you call it in the UFC, and honestly, I would have watched a fifth fight. I would watch these two dudes fight forever. Following the abrupt exit of Henry Cejudo and the vacating of the flyweight title, the division looked all but dead as disco until the Figgy Moreno rivalry. Their first fight is arguably the best flyweight bout ever, and ended up as a push due to a 
crucial point taken away from champion Davison due to a low blow that made this one a majority draw. The second one would not be so inconclusive. It was all Moreno capped off with a third round submission win to earn the title, oh my god. But hey, Figgy would have won the first fight if not for the foul, and this rivalry is great in keeping Flyweight alive, let's do it a third time in a row. Another 25 minute banger, another super close fight, Figgy would take the belt back. What a goddamn roller coaster this thing has been. With the champ sidelined afterwards and an impressive as hell interim title victory over Kaikara France, the fourth and final battle was set, and Brandon would get a chance to avenge his loss. This epic story would come to an end with Moreno getting his vengeance via violence, the doc stopping the fight because Figgy's eye was all kinds of jacked up. And that was that, Lego Man got his belt back, he got his revenge, and with the God of War moving up 10 pounds, this rivalry has come to its conclusion. Number 6, Eddie Alvarez versus Michael Chandler. When I think of Bellator, or at least Bellator pre-Scott Coker, the thing that instantly comes to mind is Michael Chandler versus Eddie Alvarez. It was just the rivalry of rivalries, and it felt like these two guys could beat anybody anywhere. Their initial encounter would come after the Underground King's first lightweight title defense against Pat Curran. Chandler had won the Season 4 tournament and was guaranteed a title challenge. Unbeaten at 8-0, Mike was of course impressive, but Eddie was the fucking man by that point. The pair would put on an instant classic in the 2011 fight of the year that saw Chandler get a fourth round submission to upset the champ, take the title, and establish himself as the new face of Bellator. Of course, we had to have a second fight, right? Well, it didn't look like we'd get the chance because after two more victories, Alvarez's contract was up and the UFC was very interested. But through a far more complicated story than we have time for, Eddie was forced back into Bellator, and so the rematch was finally made. The second one was another five-star banger. They tore the house down. The Underground King got his vengeance via split decision. A third fight was planned but fell apart, and then Coker granted Alvarez his freedom. Sucks that we never got to see the end of that rivalry, but Eddie being the last man standing is all that really matters. Number 5. Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena If there's ever been a fight that shows we simply do not understand MMA at any reasonably predictable level, it was the first bout between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes. The double champ, who up to that point for the better part of five years was the most dominant force in the entire sport, would find herself in a nasty brawl with Juliana Pena that would see her get all kinds of beat up before she got choked out in the second round to lose her bantamweight title. It might be the greatest upset in MMA history, and despite the half-decade that preceded it, because of the bizarre nature of the loss, fans were a bit unsure what to think about the rematch. Not that we thought it would be the same outcome. It was very weird, though, and a lot of us were thinking, I do not know what Amanda will do here in the second fight. Maybe she's burnt out on the sport. These things happen all the time. Well, pretty early on, it was apparent that the GOAT was going to be goading again, and Nunez got her revenge in the most thorough of possible ways, earning 50s across the board on all three judges' cards, dropping Pena down to as low as a 43 in one assessment. Number 4. George St. Pierre versus an orc. If you wrote this scenario into a movie, you'd get notes from the studio saying, let's try to make this story a bit more realistic. Matt Sarah, a down-on-his-luck mid-carder, won a chance to fight the champ on a reality TV show, and that champion St. Pierre, who had just taken the belt from the greatest fighter ever, looked like a Terminator. Sarah looked like your buddy who almost won state in high school and still works out, but hey, he's got a full-time job and three kids, you know? We all know this story by now. Sarah beats the brakes off St. Pierre, wins the title, oh my god, what a moment. What we 
don't often talk about though is GSP's revenge. Perhaps because in hindsight we all very much assumed that he would be getting the title back. But it was not an easy road. That loss really did some damage to St. Pierre's confidence and might have helped turn him into the thoroughly disciplined force he would become. 129 strikes to 10. Everyone's lasting memory being GSP throwing the most vengeful of knees at Sarah's turtled up body before the referee finally decided to show some mercy. Number 3. Stipe Miacic versus Daniel Cormier. I feel like people forget how big a deal it was that Daniel Cormier took the title from Stipe Miacic in their first encounter. Stipe was the first heavyweight champion in UFC history to ever defend the strap more than two times, his most recent and absolute clinic against the terrifying Francis Ngannou. Stipe was and still is in the argument for the best heavyweight champion the promotion has ever had. Then along came DC, he'd always lived in the shadow of John Jones, even after firmly establishing his title reign at 205. But he bumped back up, KO Stipe in the first round, double champ status, oh my god, Cormier is the greatest thing since DualShock controllers. The reason his victory doesn't seem as big a deal today is because of what happened next. Their rematch would come a year later, and even though Stipe had vengeance in his heart, things were not looking good for him as he would receive a record number of strikes to the face, 230 shots, but somehow, this firefighting some bitch survived and started laying in nasty bodywork that would see him get a fourth round stoppage. Miocic had his revenge, but the heartless destroyer that he is, that was not enough to satiate his bloodlust. I'm kidding, he's the nicest guy ever, but he did absolutely dominate DC in their third fight. Number two, Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos. I cannot even begin to imagine what it was like losing the title the way that Cain Velasquez did to Junior Dos Santos. You just beat the biggest star the sport has ever had to earn the heavyweight championship of the world. You're fighting for the first time in UFC history on network TV. You've finally made it to the mountaintop and then headshot dead in 64 seconds. Your entire dream just shattered in the amount of time it takes to reheat some cold pizza in the microwave. But Kane wasn't going to just lay there and let his career die. The first step would be making Bigfoot Silva bleed all of his blood, which would earn him another chance at the strap. And from there, oh my God, did Kane get his win back and then some. He would completely dominate when all five rounds land 210 shots. It was total decimation. Brutally, we'd see this play out a third time less than a year later, with Velasquez landing an ungodly 274 strikes before the fight was mercifully stopped in the fifth. We get it, Kane. You are the better fighter. We get it. Number one, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. What makes Izzy's revenge in this one so much more spectacular than any other fight on this list is the fact that he was getting Alex Pereira back not for just one fight, not two fights even, but three losses, two of them knockouts. Of course, the pair ended up as rivals of sorts in kickboxing long before either of them would see the top levels of the MMA game. Adesanya would move along first and become one of the best middleweight champions of all time, while Alex would win a KB World title before he found his way back to Izzy in the UFC. This man was truly Stylebender's foil. In every single way, he was the opposite of Israel. He could not shake the man, he could not kill the man. He was his worst nightmare, and that nightmare would come true when after thoroughly dominating him for the better part of five rounds in their first MMA encounter, Pereira's devastating power would shine through as he scored a fifth round TKO stoppage to do the unthinkable and dethrone the middleweight king. The rematch had to happen for 250 different reasons, and it did, and it was an all-time moment. Adesanya would finally conquer his literal demons by earning a brutal second round KO finish, and since revenge is a dish best served cold, he did Alex's arrow taunt and then talked shit to his kid afterwards. It was really something 
something else, you had to be there. They say, though, that the best revenge is living well, and nobody lives better than the editor of this video, Luke Taylor. The guy's an absolute legend. Please follow him on all his socials. A massive thanks to our channel champions. They help make all this possible. If you want to be one of them, there's a join button down there. Push it, and you know, see what happens. There's all kinds of cool stuff for you. Liking and subscribing would be pretty cool, too. Let me know your favorite sweet revenge in the comments below. And thanks for watching, guys. Seacrest out.